first through fifth grade. You can go on out now. You have your own time of teaching uh, right back in the back. Dawn's back there, first through fifth grade. And then, so since you're already standing, if there's anybody close to you, uh, just introduce yourself to them. Say, hey, good morning. How are you? And, and uh, just get to know somebody today. If you're not close to someone, get close to them. Maybe you need to move up. Hey, so Allie, she's going to Peru. She is. Yeah, Allie. No, keep just keep visiting. That's good. Now, if you if you enjoy visiting, I'm just going to give you a little hint. If you came a little bit earlier to church a little bit earlier <laughs> we can have these moments and then we can uh then we'll we can just jump in and, and get going so last week last week we had if you weren't able to be here last week um, I'm sorry because you missed you missed an incredible opportunity just to to pray with one another and to be encouraged we we saw some great things happen just as a result of just being being real and being honest about some of the things that we face in this world that we live in. And we, we prayed together and we lifted one another up and that was awesome. It was such a great, great time. And out of that, out of that flows this, this idea of um, having courageous faith. And it follows along in the book of 1 Samuel. We've kind of been in the book of 1 Samuel some and it follows along with the story of David and Goliath. And so most of you already know this story but I realize there might be some they're not as familiar with the story of David Goliath. So we're not going to read it, but I want to just quickly share with you that uh, there was a young man named David. He was a shepherd boy. And he was uh, actually, even before he came in contact with Goliath, he was anointed to be king. He was chosen among his brothers to, to lead the people of Israel from a, from a young age. And before he even walked out his... his um, leadership and being a king, he was placed in this moment of time where he was able to exercise this incredible courageous faith and he conquered this guy named Goliath. He conquered this giant in his life. And so I've heard lots of uh, sermons preached on this particular topic and maybe you have too and talking about all the different things that are giants in our life. And last week, if you're here, all the things that we listed on the stage were, were they're giants in our life. They're things we're having to overcome. We're having to conquer. And we're having to do that with, with faith. And so that's exactly what David did. David got uh, asked by his father to go to the battle where they were all uh, there together. His, some of his brothers were there. And so David was taking some grain to them. And when David got there, 
His, uh, he overheard what was going on every single day. They would line up for battle, and this one big, huge giant would step forward to all of the people of all of the warriors of Israel. He'd tell them, whoever, whoever wants to come out and fight me, if you come out and fight me and you win, then we'll, be, we'll work for you. We'll be your slaves. But if I defeat you, then your people will belong to me. Forty days in a row, nobody, nobody had the faith to step out and fight Goliath, which doesn't, doesn't surprise me. The dude was nine feet tall. He was huge. He was bigger than life. And no regular man in his right mind is going to step out and take that challenge. And so no one did. David gets there. David hears what's going on. He asks his brothers about it. His older brother was like, David, dude, man, you're just here just to watch this play out. You're just here. You're conceited. Why are you even here? Go back and be with your sheep. Why did you even come here? But see, there's something David had. David already knew that his brother didn't know. The fact that he already knew God was on his side. He already knew that God could deliver him and had delivered him in the past. And we'll get into that in just a minute. And so David had this courage that, that other people just didn't see. And so David goes to the king and says, hey, I'll fight this guy for you. And the king was like, you're crazy. There's no way you can do it on your own. And David was like, you know what? You're right. I can't do it on my own. But with God's help, I can. And you know how the story goes. He goes out. He takes um, his sling and some rocks. They say the rock that he picked probably was as big as a baseball. And he had this huge sling and he threw it and he hits the, hits the giant in the head. He, he falls down. He goes and he cuts his head off and he, with his sword. Later on in, in the story, if you keep reading in 1 Samuel, you'll see that David actually gets uh, Goliath's sword later on in his life and uses it in battle. It's kind of cool. Like the sword gets like put away and then David rediscovers it. It's pretty awesome if you just read in 1 Samuel. Matter of fact, it's a great book to read. Some great stories in there. Uh, Hollywood should make some movies out of it. It would be amazing. So David has this incredible experience. He kills a giant. And then Saul, at the time he was a king, didn't even know David had been anointed king. He didn't know it. But he found out later on as you read the story. But David's faith was contagious. Do you know that courageous faith becomes contagious faith. When you walk out in faith, whatever it is that you're facing in life, when other people see like how you're handling it and it's just so much different than everybody else around you, it becomes contagious. And listen to what, uh, this was a quote from Billy Graham. It says, courage is contagious. When a braver man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. So think about this. Can you imagine well, you know, you look in the story, it says when David conquered Goliath, what it did for the Israelite army. They all of a sudden, they were like, whoa, man, we got this. Like, that's our boy. That's our boy, David. You know, they were all like, first of all, I'm sure his brothers were like, Dave, Dave why are you here? And then after David conquers Goliath, can you imagine his brothers? You know, you can imagine how things change. All of a sudden, they become like his uh, leading leaders in the marketing campaign for David as king. You know, they probably printed some T-shirts, you know, a picture of David holding Goliath's head. They started printing those out, sending them out. I'm sure that was the case. They probably carried around a sign. Hey, you know, five shekels, get your picture taken with David's brothers. You know, just come and get your pictures taken with us because we're famous because David's our brother. That reminds me of a story. We were in uh, San Francisco a long time ago, my wife and I took some students out there. And while we were out there, we were on the, the, this wharf, and there was a bunch of people walking around, and there were these people, these punk rockers, and it was like, $5, get your p picture taken with freaks. 
I thought that was funny. I was like, I want to go get a sign and I want to say $5, get your picture tape with normal people from Missouri. <laughs> See if we could just make some money, but we didn't do it. There was also a guy there, and this has something to do with my story. There, there was a guy there that would, um, literally all he had was some branches, some limbs, like little limbs. And he took them off of a tree and he would get down like this and he would hide behind them. And then he would wait until people unsuspecting got close to him. And then he would just pull out the branch and go, boo, and scare him. And people would laugh and people would give him money. That's a real way to make some money, right? So we noticed it. We already saw. I knew it was coming. So I waited. I acted like I wasn't paying attention. And then I was like, boo, and scared him. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're a funny guy, aren't you? You're a funny guy. I was like, sometimes I think so. Nobody gave me any money, though, for scaring him. But the reason why I wasn't afraid, because I knew it was coming. I expected it. And listen, David had courage because he knew what was coming. He knew what to expect. He already knew what God had done for him in the, him in the past. If you look in 1 Samuel 17, it says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The same God who was able to protect me while I was watching my sheep is the same God who will protect me now against this one man who defies this whole army. David knew what was coming. And so because of that, he had courage. He had, he had courage too because he wasn't just walking in his own strength. He was walking in this this anointing that God had given him that nobody else really knew about other than his brothers and his father, he was walking in this anointing from God and he knew who he was. He knew his identity. And because of that, he wasn't afraid. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, he was anointed by Samuel and the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And so David was just walking out his new identity. He was just walking out who he was in God, like he said, this is who God has chosen me to be. And in that, I have this incredible faith. And listen, I'm, I'm saying this to you. I'm, I'm going to give this to you today because I want you to learn how to walk out in your own identity and who you are in Christ. And we sang songs that were kind of about that. And, uh, and that's where we're going we're gonna to go today. So the end result of this courage and faith that David had in facing this giant, it literally says that the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel because of David's courageous faith. That last song, then I will tell everyone that I know because of what Christ has done for me, I am not gonna keep it to myself. The whole world will know because of what he has done for me, I'm gonna make sure everybody else hears that truth. And that's, that, that whole theme is throughout the whole Bible. So that the world will know that there is a God in Israel. That there is a God in America. There is a God living inside of us. There is a, there is a power that we have been given that the world just doesn't even understand or recognize. And it's something that we must learn to, uh, to sit under that truth. Because here's, here's the reality. Listen, you cannot stand until you learn to sit. Until you learn to sit at his feet and, and hear him tell you who you are in him. 
Not who the world says that you are, not who you believe you are, not who everybody else has told you who you are. Because listen, I had a great guy who raised me, but if I would have believed what my stepdad said about me when I was a little boy, I would be as worthless as he said I was back then. And it took me a little while to overcome that. That's a whole nother sermon. But I, wasn't, but I don't want to walk in that identity. I don't want to walk in the fact that I was a bastard child, basically, because my father didn't want anything to do with me. I don't want to walk in that identity because there's no power in that. There's, I'm defeated there, right? If I just sit there and that's where I'm at, I can't get up and walk, and I definitely can't stand when the giants come. Does you get where I'm going? So I got this, this identity that comes to me in Christ. And listen, listen, I just, I was listening to the Abba song earlier and it made me think, think of this, this passage of scripture in uh, Galatians chapter four. And I'll just share this with you in just a second. But I got this thought of the fact that God has lavished his love on us. Like he, as a good father, he lavishes, he, he just like, he gushes over us. Like he's, we're his favorite. Like she was saying, like he gushes over us. And in Galatians chapter 4, it says, because you are sons and daughters of God, because you are his children, listen to what it says. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, and this spirit is the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. And it says, this spirit makes us an error, a God. Like we, we, belong, we, we have his inheritance. His inheritance belongs to us. Like it's all ours. Like it's, it's everything that he has belongs to us. Do we walk in that in this world? Not like we should and not like we could. But only if we would. <laughs> but only if we would. Let me share a few other verses of scripture I want you to sit and underneath this and hear these words that come from the Bible therefore if anyone is in Christ it says the new creation has come the old has gone and the new has come whole new identity literally death to life Sit in that for just a minute. You once were dead. You put your hope and trust in Jesus. You become alive. God made him who had no sin. This is in 2 Corinthians. Both of these passages were in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, by the way. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Take a selfie, <laughs> if you have your phone, take a selfie of yourself and say, I am the righteousness of God. Like this picture, this is a picture of the righteousness of God. Now the enemy will whisper, oh what? You? Really? The righteousness of God? Come on. Like, you might be a decent person, but you cannot call yourself the righteous. So, no, I don't call myself that. This is what my father calls me. <laughs> this is what he says. 
He took Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on my behalf so that all my sin would be transferred to him so that I might become in right standing. That's your identity, in right standing with God. This was in my uh, this little devotional thing that I saw earlier this week. Do you trust God who, uh, do you trust who God says you are? It's a question mark. You are new. You are righteous. You are already forgiven. You are his beloved. And inside you dwells rightness, holiness, cleanliness, power, and beauty. Jesus did this. Jesus did all of the rewriting in you the day that you trusted in his work on the cross. He, wrote, he rewrote your script. <laughs> he rewired you. He changed everything about you. And listen, that's how God sees you. And I don't, we don't, it's hard to wrap our mind around that. God sees us that way as the righteousness, his righteousness. We don't see ourselves that way, right? We just don't. We need to learn to, but the, and that's, that's the process where he's, he's trying to get us to come to that place. That's where he's taking us. That's where he wants you to go. Wherever it is you are right now, that's where he wants you to get to, I promise. And that's where he wants me to get to. He's still working on me too. In Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, right, remember, gives us life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. We are free from death. We are given life. That's our identity. Now, you sit in that for a while, and you're like, whoa, that's awesome. That's who I am in him. That's not what the world says I am, and that's fine. The world's a liar, all right? The world and its systems and the enemy that controls it, that's, he's a liar, and he will lie to you and tell you all kinds of things. He will tell you that you don't even need this God who wants to set you free. And we'll believe it for a while in our life. We will. At one point or another, we'll believe it. So here's this truth. In Christ, we have conquered the greatest enemy of all mankind, and that is death. In Christ, we've conquered it. We win. We've already won. No matter what happens to us here on this earth, it's okay. And David probably knew that. David's like, hey, I win in the end. <laughs> like, I'm, I belong to God. He's, he's my father, and I'm his. And so if I somehow miss with the slingshot, <laughs> the, the, the Goliath comes and cuts my head off and feeds me to the birds like he says he's going to, I still win. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. And the same spirit that lived in Jesus, this is another one that kind of blows our mind, now lives in those who have put their hope in him. That same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That same power lives in you and me. And we have it at our disposal. Like, that's the weapon that he gives us to fight with. He like, we have it. It lives inside of us. Therefore, we should be able to face whatever comes our way with this courageous faith. Now, I get it, there are times when the lions and the bears attack <laughs> and the Goliaths and we, and we fail. And we don't face it the way we know we're, we're supposed to or way we, the way we could face it. Sometimes it feels like the lions and the, and the bears and the Goliath are all coming at the same time. 
You had some days like that, you know, where you feel like they are all right outside my door trying to get in. I understand that. All right, turn with me to 1 Peter. We're going to spend some time in 1 Peter, then we'll be done. 1 Peter. That's right before 2 Peter. Towards the back of your Bible, right after the book of James. I was told sometimes I move too fast, so I'm going to wait until I hear, stop hearing pages turn. The reason why I wanted to read this particular few passages of Scripture out of this book is because I think it shows us some more pictures of our identity. It gives us some, some who we are pictures. Quick disclaimer, if you sit here today and you say, you know, I, I'm hearing this and that all, this all sounds amazing, but I haven't, I haven't really ever put my hope in Jesus. How, how do I do that? How does that work? Can I, can I do that now? I mean, do I have to wait? Do I have to go through a class? No. <laughs> the Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can call on the name of the Lord at any moment. That's the gospel. You can say, Lord, right now, I, I call on the name of Jesus. Would you save me from the greatest giant that we'll ever face, and that is the giant of death? Would you set me free from death? Would you give me life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Well, the Bible says if you ask, he will. And he makes you the righteousness of God. You can do that. You don't have to wait to the invitation time at the end. You don't have to have a conversation with me to do that. You can call on the name of Jesus right where you're at. And that trust, that hope, that prayer, that, just that total surrender, it, in, it invites you in to have everything that God has for you. It's a beautiful thing. And so this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read are for those who belong to the Father because of their faith in Jesus. And we, because of that, we, all, we have the same hope and we, we have the same inheritance. I realize I'm preaching to most of you who already believe, right? I, I, I believe that, but I know there might be some that, that are still wrestling with that issue of faith. Hopefully you'll be inspired today to do that. First Peter Chapter 1, starting in verse 3. So listen, we'll find some, some uh, identity pieces here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. All right, there's part of our identity. We're new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, the resurrection is the greatest giant slayer of all time. Death is defeated. Amen, right? Amen. And into an inheritance, all right? So there's part of our identity too. We have an inheritance. We have something waiting for us. It's going to be good. And an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance that's available to us is the best inheritance ever. It's not money because it's all going to burn. 
but it is something more valuable than that. It's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's awesome. He's got this, he's got it waiting for us. It's like, this is yours. You got this inheritance, but I want you to walk in it. You're gonna walk in it while you're still here. In this, you greatly rejoice. I mean, we rejoice, right? That we have an inheritance, that there's more to this life than just this life, right? Can we rejoice in that? We're excited about that, right? We got out of bed and came to church, right? That's part of the reason, because we have this hope. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Can I get an amen there? Yeah, we're, all, we're good at that, right? Yeah, grief and trials, boom, been there. I'm there. <laughs> still living it, still fighting, still fighting the lion and the tiger and bears. Oh, my. All right? So we're, we're there. Somebody got that reference? But listen, these have come so that your faith, okay, your, your faith, which says is, is of greater worth than gold, it's the most valuable thing that you possess. Gold perishes even though it's refined by fire. But your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen him, you love him. And even now... It says, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's part of our inheritance. That's part of our identity. I am filled with inexpressible, glorious joy, even in the midst of the junk called life. Can we be there? Can you get there? Is it possible for you to be there? I'm not talking about fake. Don't be fake. Be authentic and be real. When it hurts, say, tell somebody it hurts. When it's awesome, tell somebody it's awesome. Don't come in and put on the church face. Amen. Don't do it. Because nobody gets set free that way. Matter of fact, you actually take more burden home with you when you do that. Don't come in here and let everybody else think you got it all together and everything's wonderful when they ask you how you're doing. Be real. All right. Now, don't be weird, but be real. All right. Because I know how some of you get, you know, I start crying, you know, you know, you're like, here's all my problems. No, I'm saying, but just be real. Be authentic. That's my, that's our, my, I just, I think about that a lot. Like we want to just be real people. Because listen, we can have courageous faith and in the midst of it, be just getting beat up that day. We can. And we need to let everybody know that. Last week when people stood up, you know what it did? It gave courage to the other people who were saying, like, oh my God, I didn't know, I thought I was the only one. You were courageous last week. Good job. Inexpressible joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith. The goal of your faith is the salvation of your souls. Man, that's my identity. That's my inheritance. It's the salvation of my soul. The world, you take whatever you want, but the Lord has what matters the most. It's going to last forever. Do you know what? Your soul's going to last forever. This body... I was talking with a brother outside. This body is breaking down. I mean, from the top down, it's breaking down. You know, every day. Turn with me just over to chapter 2, verse 9. Gets even better. Listen to this. This is your identity, friends. 
or this can be your identity. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Okay, now we're getting crazy. Now we were just talking about we're the righteousness of God. Now take a picture and say, I am royalty. Now, I might not be in England. They don't talk, there's no documentaries on my life. But in, the, but in the eyes of the king, I'm a royalty. Listen, ladies, no man can give you an identity like Jesus can. And if you're looking for a man to do that, well, most of you have already figured out that it's not going to happen and you're already pretty disappointed. My wife will tell you the truth. <laughs> she loves Jesus. Oh, sweet pea. <laughs> she loves Jesus more than she loves me, and that's a good thing. Your chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. You can tell everyone that you know. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I know some people that have just recently gotten engaged and they're excited about it and they post it on the internet and they want to tell everybody, look, look, I'm engaged. He asked me, I said, yes. Are we that excited about Jesus? He asked me. And I said, yes, and I belong to him. He's mine. He's all mine, and I'm all his. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, dear friends, this is where we'll finish. I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Live such good lives among those who don't believe, the pagans. Though they accuse you of maybe doing something wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Do you remember what David said? My defeat of Goliath will make sure that the whole world knows that there is a God of Israel. Listen, when you declare his praises among people, when you live such a courageous faith among your peers and you live differently than those around you because of something you believe so passionately in, guess what? Then they will know that there is a God in Israel. Then they will know that God makes a difference to you. Then they will know who you belong to, whose you are. Then they will know. The whole world will know. And they'll glorify God on the day that he visits us. When Jesus comes back, do you want him to find you living with courageous faith, courageous, contagious, real, authentic, just, Here's who I am, faith. <laughs> I hope so. I hope he finds me that way. Let's pray.
Lord, would you somehow just help us to sit in this truth today? Just as sure as we sit in our seats, Lord, would we sit in this truth of who we are in your eyes? How you see us so differently than we see ourselves and so differently than the people around us see us. Would you somehow allow us to have those eyes today? I pray for those that maybe are here today and they haven't crossed over from death to life yet because they have not called on the name of Jesus to save them. And I pray that they would, even right now. They just say yes to you. They say yes to this new birth, this new identity, this inheritance that you have prepared for them. Would we be able to stand up today and walk out of here with more faith than we walked in with? Even in the midst of fighting all the lions and the the bears and the Goliaths in our life, would we walk out of here with even more faith than we walked in with? So that the whole world will know, so that other people around us will see Where do you get that? I want some of that. And then we can tell them where. We can tell everyone that we know where. And who it is that can give it to them. If you need prayer, just for anything, just come. We'll pray with you. Just come and pray by yourself if you want to, whatever it is that God puts on your heart to do.